What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. And Lilith is out this week. It's another tag team episode. Another tag team episode. And it's called... But Lilith is missed, as always. And hopefully she'll be back with us soon. In the meantime... In the meantime... This week's episode topic, 37 Truths We Should Have Been Taught About Men. And so this episode is in response to the really popular blog post that was written on the subreddit and is now published on the blog that was titled 37 Lies That We Were Taught About Men. And earlier in the year, we did a three-part episode basically going through that post and breaking down why each of the 37 lies are actual lies about men. Um, So we thought that to do something a bit different, that we would flip that and we would be dissecting 37 truths that we should have been taught about men. So yeah, that's the episode today. That's on the docket today. All right. So this is going to be an exciting episode because we're going to, it's another one of those episodes where we go through a lot of different FDS concepts in short succession, that things that you know, but no one's ever really completely articulated right? Because these are things that most of us know through experience, but are counter to the things we're generally taught as women in our culture. So starting with number one, which is men only complain about women's standards if they don't meet them. It's not because they think the standard is unreasonable. Yeah. So this one, I think it's quite self-explanatory in that when we or when a woman gets dogpiled about her standards, I often find that it's only the men who don't meet that standards who are complaining about it. So let's say a woman only dates men who are tall, say six feet plus. It's not the men who are six feet plus who are complaining about the standards. It's the men who are five foot seven, five foot six, five foot eight, five foot nine or whatever. And that's more to do with them feeling rejected. That doesn't mean to say that your standard is unreasonable. It's more to do with their own ego and the idea and the feeling that they would be rejected or they can't see somebody as a potential option, basically with that one. Generally, the men that have the things that women want don't think it's unreasonable. In fact, they're probably happy that other men are failing so that they have more access to women. (laughs) That's actually true. So immediately, I feel like a man gives himself away as being low value or not having much if he's always complaining about women's standards because I'm like, well, you wouldn't complain if you were on the other side of that and then all of the women wanted you, right? Yeah, It's almost like how, you know, men as a class complain about gold diggers, but how many rich men, when they come into money, they end up going for a woman who, if they didn't have money, they know that woman, they wouldn't look at them twice. It's not that they don't like like, gold diggers in quotation marks per se, it's more that they're not accessible to them. Because that's the first thing they do, they go and get a trophy wife, a woman who wouldn't look at them if they didn't have money. Right. And I've seen a lot of female dating coaches, and I don't know what their angle is, but there's a lot of female dating coaches who have made it their entire brand to tell women that our standards are too high and we're making men feel bad. And first of all, I want to be like, sis, what's your angle? Are you just trying to get head pats from Krusty Krab Twitter? Because it's very odd to be... <laughs> Honestly, like, I'm like, the dirtiest, crustiest guys are the ones that are going to be the ones agreeing with this, right? So I'm wondering, like, why would you pander to the have-nots? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, but all these women do is talking about like, oh, men are complaining because there's actually a really infamous dating coach. I think she was a Christian dating coach who said, like, I stopped trying to give women dating advice because they all want shallow things. They want a guy who makes 100K, who's six foot, who they basically want the entire 666 package, six inches, a little small, uh, six. six figures. They want that entire package. And then their entire stick is like, women are so unreasonable. This is so hard. And then you'll see like men come up with all these statistics and how there's only a small percentage of men that meet that criteria and how women are all delusional. But like, I'm like the men... The scrote mathematics. The scrote mathematics. Do you know, they actually, they, the men have actually, I think it was on a post that maybe Roe, I think maybe Roe did this post, but they actually have built this like delusion calculator where a woman can put in her preferences. So say that they want a guy who's not overweight, over six feet and earns over 30k into this calculator and it will come back and say how deluded she is. And I think like they put in like the woman said, so they assume that woman wants a guy who earns, earns over $30,000 is not overweight and is over six feet. And on the delusion scale, it was like four out of five. And they were all saying like, look, your standards are so high. Most I was like, that not a 
flex. That just means most men are shit. And like, I swear $30,000 isn't a lot of money in the US. I know it's average in the UK. It's very average in the UK. If you're on 30K, you're not doing badly generally in the UK. But I thought $30,000 is not a lot in the US. $30,000, uh, depending on the state, could be right, like just above poverty line. Oh, seriously? I think poverty line is somewhere around eighteen to 19000 I get the economy's bad and everything, but this idea that you know, like that we should just settle just because like men feel like those standards are too high for them. It's like they're not getting the idea that like, well, without those standards, then you're pretty much useless to us, right? Like they never come out and say, okay, well, I don't have six figures, but I have this or okay, I'm I'm not six feet tall, but I'm this and I'm that. Like notice how they never like finish that thought. They just sort of say like, you're wrong for wanting those things. So I'm like, okay, so if we don't have those things, like what use are you? And then it's crickets. So the standards are what they are, Diamond. Number two, men do not value or respect women who lower their standards to be with them. I think this is a really, really big one. And there are several angles that I want to unpack with this one. The first one is that, you know, like Ro touched on at the top of the episode, general mainstream dating advice is fully invested in getting women's standards to be where the Mariana Trench is or up Hades is ass crack. And the thing is, a lot of these men, they will be cheering on, you know, women who say, I don't mind if we go to Taco Bell for a day, if I pay 50-50. I don't mind if he doesn't have a bed and he has a mattress on the floor. I just love him for him. But why? (laughs) What's great about him? Like, there's always a blank space where there's supposed to be a description of why you're dealing with this man, right? (laughs) That's true. That's actually a good point as well, because I remember when I was complaining about one of my exes and my therapist, she didn't come across as the most based, but what she said in hindsight was based. Like, she straight up just asked me, what are you getting out of this relationship? Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't actually have an answer. (laughs) The thing is, when women start to think about that, that's when they start to have standards. And that's when men start to get mad because they think that we're just supposed to be with them and... I don't know, reasons, hashtag reasons that they can't even describe to us. So, I mean, number two to me is a direct result of number one, where men complain about the standards, but as soon as you lower them even a little bit, they lose complete respect for you because they know it's an uneven exchange, right? They know that. Yeah, they know you're a sucker. Yeah, they know you're a sucker. So it's like they create this self-reinforcing environment, whereas if we articulate our standards, they're mad. But if we lower our standards, then they don't respect us and they take advantage of us and exploit us. There's no movement in there where they actually close the gap or close the bridge to actually create some kind of value so that we're not embarrassing ourselves, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. And the woman ends up taking the bigger L because not only are you with a guy that you've admittedly lowered your standards for, but you're also not happy in the relationship. So that's like a double L. Like at least if you're going to be in a relationship with a man, at least have him meet your standards. And this is another thing as well. And I feel like in my experience, I was speaking about this with my sister, we were talking about this list before we recorded. And we both observed that it tends to be, this is just a generalization based on our own individual like friendship groups, but it tends to be the attractive, well-accomplished women who end up lowering their standards. And then what happens is that when the guy starts moving mad, He starts acting booky. It's almost like their ego begins to say, you can't treat me like this, how dare you? And so they double down and try harder as opposed to removing themselves from the situation as well. And that's another thing, because as I've said before, it's one thing to have your heart broken by a guy who met your standards, who you had a good relationship with, but it just didn't work out. It's another thing to be treated like trash by a guy you know you should have never given a chance to anyway. Let's run that back because I have to tell you that all of the times where I just wanted to, when I felt like an absolute donkey's ass is when I gave a chance to a guy that honestly wasn't even my type that I knew wasn't that great, but I was like, well, he has a great personality and I like hanging out with him. So let's just give him a shot. And then he absolutely acts like a scrote or acts how many men do is they get comfortable in the relationship and they start getting more and more entitled. And you're just sitting there feeling like an absolute fucking sucker while this guy, like this guy's talking down to you and you're like, wait, 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 wait. I need you to know that I'm the catch here and you like raising your voice to me. You take that bass out of your voice, first of all, right? That's how I approach it. <laughs> like, like, don't come at me, you know, trying to put some bass in your voice when you were already on thin ice in this relationship to begin with, right? And that's the thing with men you lower your standards for is that they will embarrass you every time. And they just end up with no respect for you. Like, 
in the scenario that Rose said, you know, these, it's probably absolutely true that these women are a catch, that Rose a catch, but they won't see it that way because they'll think if you're such a catch, you wouldn't give me the time of day. These men know they ain't shit. Like they know, they absolutely know. And this is the reason why they don't respect women who they know can do better because they're just thinking them, there must be something wrong with you. If you're with me, then you must be the problem. Rock bottom for me emotionally is when an ugly guy puts bass in his voice when he's talking to me. And I'm like, oh no. (laughs) This is honestly what I'm really like glad I can say relationships have ended for me, but I can always say I've never dated a guy I didn't find attractive. Like I can say that with my chest. I'm glad. I've dated a couple and honestly, if I see them in the street, I'm going to act like I don't know them. I mean, I'm not, I'm not above it. (laughs) Just Mariah Carey him. No, I'm dead ass. I'm dead ass. Like I so get Mariah Carey. Like there's just certain men you just have to pretend that you just don't even know. Because I was like, you know what? I wasn't in a great place in life. And I thought you were, had a great personality and I could grow to love your ugly ass and it didn't happen. So now I'm just embarrassed of the entire situation and never again, because I'm telling you it's a mind fuck. I'm telling you, you'll look yourself in the mirror and not respect yourself if you let a man below your standards. Yeah, exactly. It just creates that negative feedback loop again, because you're thinking, I'm so amazing, which you are, which these women are. So why is he treating me so badly? Then you start thinking you're doing something wrong, as opposed to thinking this guy's just trash, because you're thinking, you know, it's almost like if you give almost like, sorry to sound classes, but if you give a poor person like a Michelin star meal and they start complaining, you're going to be like, where are my chicken fingers? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, exactly. So it just creates that negative feedback loop, which is why it just pains me when, you know, women lower their standards thinking that is the way to function in a relationship because you will lose every time or women will lose every time on both fronts. Exactly. Number three, a man will not love or respect you more for suffering alongside him and building him up. In fact, the opposite tends to be true. They resent you for it. Yeah, this links back to the first two points in that, again, we're told that, you know, ride or dare, you know, we're told essentially ride or die in the Nollywood movie industry, actually, which is basically the Nigerian version of Hollywood. I grew up watching films where the woman would be subjected to horrific mistreatment from her husband but then when he came into money he'd then start treating her like a queen or when they had a baby he'd then start treating her well all of that is just is horseshit propaganda and men do not respect or love you you know for suffering you know more alongside them and if you don't believe me definitely check out for my man the documentary series where women have literally done this they've literally suffered for their man and they're now in federal prison without parole for the rest of their life oh is that like a netflix document like a a true crime documentary it's a true crime documentary where basically and we'll do an episode on for my man because this is like pick misha's on steroids but basically yeah where women they will get into crime on behalf of you know the guy they're with and the funniest thing is like when they both get arrested the woman won't you know she won't snitch the guy because obviously ride or die right but the guy will be snitching her like and basically singing to the feds that blaming on her like a canary so he'll get 20 years and she'll get life from prison with no parole that's ridiculous but that's what you get in some respects like i mean because i was used to watch like cops right if you've ever seen them I don't know if they have a similar show in the UK, but there's a show here called Cops. They basically just do police ride-alongs. And there's a regular occurrence where the boyfriend or the husband lets the wife take the fall for his drugs. Is that because they also believe that women get lighter sentences? Sometimes, yeah. And like sometimes the women will do that because they think, like, especially if he's got more than one strike, right? So some laws have increasing penalties the more uh, felonies that you're caught with. So a lot of times they'll be like, oh, I'm just going to have my girlfriend take the fall because it's her first offense. So she'll only get a little bit of time or like it'll be a much lesser charge than for him. So yeah, it's a problem. And again, we've done episodes on, you know, building a man up. So we did, you can listen to the John Cena episode where we spoke about how his first wife was with him when he was homeless, when he had nothing. And then when he hit the peak of his career and they eventually, they eventually got married. But then when he hit the peak of his career, it ended in divorce. No, he didn't marry her, right? He never married her. His first wife, yeah, they got married after like a 15-year relationship. Oh, his first wife, okay. That was the second girlfriend, Nikki Bella, who we like strung along for a decade, almost a decade. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, building a man up, it's just a bad strategy, especially, especially 
if you're not married to him. And I would always recommend if you are going to invest in a man in any meaningful way, so if you're going to contribute to his business, if you're going to, you know, support him in buying a home or whatever, make sure that you are married or at the very, very minimum that you know your legal rights. Don't assume that he's going to think, oh, well, she supported me and helped me out. That he's going to be fair to you if the relationship ends. Just protect your energy. Yeah, that. I mean, that's a pipe dream. He may not, right? That he may or he may not, but you just also, you need to, you just need to protect your energy, like really. And another thing as well is that we have to be mindful of the fact that when we see someone who is down and out, it can be challenging for them to be around people who know them when they were down and out, especially if they are trying to break out of that almost. You know, firstly, they may not necessarily be successful, but secondly, it's like if they do end up you know, breaking out of that, is the relationship still going to survive? You're going to remind him of the time when he was broke and had nothing as well. That's true. I mean, anybody who's ever leveled up in their life or tried to evolve past a circumstance that was a negative experience for them, sometimes unfairly, people who were part of that life, your old life, can just remind you of that, right? Like you just outgrow people. So even in the best case scenario, in the sense that even if he's not a scrot who's just like using and exploiting you, it's quite possible he might just outgrow you, right? That's what tends to happen if you're not, you know, in a marriage or something where you're committed to grow together in some kind of direction. So I think it's just, yeah, it's just such a mistake to be the struggle woman. Like you definitely want to be the woman who he sees as aspirational for whatever his current life circumstances, right? That being said, it can't be so aspirational that he's so clearly beneath you that you go... We go right back, right back to number one, ladies. <laughs> He's complaining about your standards because you're too aspirational for him. So like, there's a lesson here to be had about balance, right? Can't be too struggly. Can't be too... <laughs> can't be mid. Can't be so far above him that he's out here going, you made me get these standards. You can't get a woman because you made me get standards. Tired women their standards. You know, that's it. <laughs> and I guess in, in these scenarios as well, you sort of... You review standards. Okay. <laughs> I guess this is also where, you know, some discernment comes into play because obviously, you know, we're not always going to meet people who are the finished product, so to speak. But this is where I think it's important before you start dating is to know your bottom line. So know the bare minimum you will accept from a guy. So for me, for example, he has to be gainfully employed. Like he needs to be gainfully employed and that needs to correspond to his age. So I would expect a man who is, say, you know, 30 to be at a different stage of his career than if I was dating a guy who was 26 as well, depending on the industry. But roughly speaking, I wouldn't be happy if a guy was, say, 35, not that I would date a 35-year-old, but just for example, and he was just starting his career. So just getting his first meaningful job. I wouldn't be happy with that. So you have to know your bottom line of what you're willing to accept. And you have to know upfront to some degree, you know, how much you're willing to grow with this person, how much you're willing to invest in this person. Because, you know, for all intents and purposes, some people do grow together. Like my sister, she met her husband when they were both in uni, they were both at the same life stage. And he's now, you know, like a finance director working on contract, which is big, big money. They've grown together. But at the same time as well, she's not put her own career and dreams on hold to support him, which is where another, you know, which is another place where I think women make that mistake is whilst they're, you know, building the man supporting him, they put their own dreams and aspirations on hold, which I think is another mistake as well. Yeah, you should absolutely be focused on yourself primarily and then finding men who can grow with you in the direction you want to go. Yeah. And just look out for positive markers that they're actively working towards that dream. Like I'm sure we've all come across the guy who wants to be a musician or wants to be a successful or wants to be the next Joe Rogan person. But the gap between that becoming a reality and their current reality is so massive that it's basically a pipe dream, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. And meaning like they have no feasible plan towards that goal. Talk is cheap, right? There's a lot of people that have aspirational goals that will never achieve them because they never take the first step. And everyone has something like that, right? I wouldn't even say that's like male exclusive, but men tend to like wallow in delusions of grandeur for much longer. See our episode on like 40 year old meat where this guy was convinced he was like secretly a genius and he couldn't hold on a McDonald's job. <laughs> 
Yeah. So like you want to watch out for that. A man with aspirational goals who or who thinks he's special with no outside validation of that and no movement towards building something to prove that, right? So number four, men know if they want to marry you very early on. Now, I know FDS, we've been roasted on the past by certain female subreddits on Reddit just for saying this simple fact. But the fact of the matter is every man I know who is in a marriage that is doing well, they always say they knew very, very early on that they wanted to marry the woman that they're now married to. They may not pop the question within three months because that's just weird, but the intention to marry was always there. And so when I see these women who are in 10-year relationships and they're still asking when he's going to propose, it's like, sis, he doesn't want to marry you. That's it. He doesn't want to marry you. Inertia sets in, right? Like, I mean, I especially feel bad for women, like if you've been together since high school, or something like that. And then like they're together from high school and then they're together to their early 20s. And then inertia sets in. And it, a lot of times it's because this guy has never, he's never had to, you know, rise to the challenge of like having you around, right? Especially not as an adult. So he doesn't know if he wants to marry you because he doesn't have a, a concept of how to value you correctly in his life. So being a forever girlfriend, especially if you started dating a guy very young, it can be really tough because you think, well, we put all this time together and we have a good time. But if a guy hasn't made movement to actually marry you, it means that he does not quite value you in the way that he should, quite frankly. So even in those situations where you start dating fairly young and you feel like, well, we were too young to get married, you know, because some people have said that to us, like where, oh, well, we started dating when we were 15, we were clearly too young to get married, etc. Like if he doesn't make movement to make that happen, like sooner rather than later, then I almost feel like you're in a relationship that's stagnant because he doesn't quite understand what he has at stake or what to lose. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's even further compounded. And I think partly because of economic reasons, because cost of living and rent is so expensive. But when, you know, women basically give all the wife benefits without getting the ring, so they'll move in, they'll have kids, they'll buy a house together, but then they'll be asking, but he doesn't want to marry me. And again, it goes back to knowing your bottom line. And I think if marriage is something that you want, you have to almost separate what I'm willing to do for a boyfriend and what I'm, you know, willing to do for my husband. So I remember my sister, when she was dating her now husband like she said I want to go to the Caribbean with my husband and so she never went with her boyfriends because she was like no that's something I want to do with my husband's like we'll go to like Europe because I don't really care about that but I want to go to the Caribbean with my husband so even when she was dating her now husband it was off the table to go there and then they went there for their honeymoon so even stuff like that you just have to compartmentalize between what you're doing for a husband and what you'd be doing for a boyfriend but the problem is women tend to get it back to front and think if I just prove that I'm wifey material by showing him that I'm willing to be his wife in all but name, then he'll want to marry me. And that just doesn't work. <laughs> Take the trip. I'm not gonna lie, I would have taken that trip. I was more talking about free labor that I wouldn't be doing for a guy if we weren't married, but I would have taken that Caribbean trip, especially if it was all expensive paid. But I do like your comment about not going back to front. Always wipe front to back um, when it comes to <laughs> Uh, front to back, not back to front. So, but yeah, in general, in general, how I would view this is like, yes, I'm totally willing to go on any type of expensive luxury trip that a man wants to take me on. But <laughs> if you're talking about like, you know, committing to you when you're having, you know, a lot of life problems, etc., or growing with you in any type of way that you want, I can't see myself doing that. And I haven't really done that without some kind of long-term commitment via marriage, right? Like I'm not trying to be committed and be an at-will employee that this person can fire at any time, right? Like I feel like the benefit of marriage is that you're willing to put in a little extra effort when a person is slacking, right? And let's just be clear, like, you know, even in my friendships, right? Like you just have times where things are ebbing and flowing, but you know, you, you either commit to the friendship to like working through your problems together. And obviously you can't really marry your friend, but a man who was serious about having you do that for him again, once again, if he respected you would be pushing towards marriage. Like no one would have you be their ride or die and they're not actually investing in you or putting something very much long-term. So I can proudly say I've never been a ride or die chick. Like I don't have it in me. It's not in my spirit. I don't understand it as a concept. Ugly men, I could tell you all about that. <laughs> so, I think, okay, we've, we both take opposite L's. I've never dated someone ugly, but I'll, <laughs> Yeah, we take opposite L's. 
I've overexerted myself. So like one of my exes, like he was looking to move house and I would literally be looking for apartments for him. And I actually got him a rent discount as well. Like double clown, double clown. So, so that's what I've done. I went to, I suppose that's Friday or Tide, but I wouldn't say I've done anything like that. But yeah, opposite L's. (laughs) So yeah, I just don't think it's possible for a man who really wants to marry you. Like men know the value of marriage as well. Despite what they say, marriage is a ball and chain for men. They know the benefits and they know that being married to a good woman is going to elevate their life in ways that remaining single just won't. And so they will know very, very early on, like it shouldn't need the length of a bachelor's, a master's and a PhD before you start even having the discussion around marriage. That's just nonsense. Especially if you've been basically combining your lives together in a way that a traditional married couple would. If he's still dragging his feet, sis, he's not interested. That's it. And to go back to number two, he'll start to not respect you as much and see you less of as his dream girl, if you don't respect yourself enough to walk away from that situation, because you are lowering your standard and he knows it. Mm-hmm, to walk away. Yeah, that's true. And then actually they'll start to blame you as well. They'll just think, well, if she's not happy, she can just leave, which leads on nicely to number five, actually. Right. Number five, taking a man back after he treats you badly will convey that what he did to you wasn't that bad. Otherwise, why would you take him back? This is sort of inspo from Natalie Liu, who honestly, baggage reclaim, it's life-changing. It really snapped me out of my pick-me mindset and led me straight to FDS when I was reading it after a breakup. But it's like, it's honestly true. And I think when it comes to breaking up and getting back together, there's two scenarios. I feel like if it was because of a practical issue, so distance or maybe not having enough time or you know, then getting back together can work as long as those issues have been addressed. So you've closed the gap, you've made time for each other. It's, you know, less stressful in your life, for example. And that's actually worked out for me to some degree in some relationships where, you know, when we first met, it just wasn't the right time. We just didn't have time for each other. And then, you know, when the stresses had gone, we were able to resume a good relationship for some time. But when it's attitudinal or behavioural, so in essence, he treats you like shit, then I don't think it's worth considering, you know, getting back together. Because as this one says, you know, if you take him back after cheating, if you take him back after he's disrespected you, initially, it might seem like he's had a change of heart and he's matured and he's grown. But going back to the previous points, he will eventually come to think, well, I can't possibly be that bad if she's still willing to give me the time of day. And then you know, you'll have that honeymoon period for a bit and then you'll find that the treatment gets even worse. Yeah, that's the thing. If there's times where there's a miscommunication and there's other times when a guy's testing your boundaries, right? Because where I've fallen for it a couple of times and I I tend not to entertain situations for very long, but when you're kind of in a a fledgling situation and you're trying to figure out, okay, like, are we going to stay together? Are we going to continue on the path that we're going in and like be like formally be a couple. Sometimes what happens is a man is just like trying to test your boundaries there. And then it basically a compliance test for the rest of the relationship. And what's happened on my end, because I didn't necessarily recognize that they'll apologize later and be like, Oh, well, I think I was just like, I was joking. Or I was like, I think you misunderstood me when I didn't comply. Right. Because I don't comply. I know enough not to comply, but my mistake was like assuming it was like a misunderstanding or a joke, because that's what they'll try to do is they'll try to play it off and be like, oh, it's a misunderstanding or it's a joke. And so I've then (laughs) gotten with a guy and thought, okay, well, he's not going to do the X thing anymore because I already told him this is not fine. And he said he was joking and he didn't mean it. And like there was a miscommunication. So I would trust that, that feedback only to have them later on the line do exactly that shit again. Because once again, it was a compliance test to see how much you would put up with shit and not actually a misunderstanding. So, and it's like, they know, right. And it's it's under no circumstances. Are they unaware that you're not fine with it because you had a conversation, you had an argument about it. It might've even like made things tense between you or pushed you apart. And they come back apologizing, saying they're not going to do that thing because you didn't acquiesce to their compliance test. But all they do is try to get craftier and then force it somewhere along the line. So that's been my experience with men who uh, do something that I think they know on some levels unacceptable. And then it's never a misunderstanding the way that they try to portray it. And I think romantic comedies, they set us up for like bad choices in this regard, because in a romantic comedy, the men's bonehead moves are always out of ignorance and not 
like deliberate. And so I think a lot of women tend to err on the side of thinking like, oh, it's just men. They're so bad at communicating. They're so bad at knowing. But I think there's quite a few men who take advantage of your goodwill and assumption of men's ignorance to just try to force your compliance down the line. I don't think it's all ignorance, to be honest. No, it's not. And unfortunately, this is the strategy that works. I think we have to accept that part of the reason why the shitty tactics and things like the manosphere or the red pill are so prevalent is that it does work on some women like we at fds we can say you know it's ridiculous it's you know silly it's manipulative but we can see it for what it is but when they are trying these tactics out on women who don't know any better or are still absorbing or who are still getting majority of their dating advice from the mainstream their tactics make sense. And you'll think that if a guy treats me badly and I've had enough nice blood and he comes back and says he's sorry, he must really mean it. And it's it's not true. But unfortunately, these tactics work. Yeah. And you can tell the difference because if you try to do the same thing to them, they flip out, right? Because men know that that small boundary violation leads to larger things. And this is, again, a difference between the way that men and women are socialized. Like, Men are socialized to understand and protect any small boundary violation, whereas women's are always thought of as negotiable by society and men are always trying to... Up for debate, yeah. Yeah, up for debate and always change it. But like, you cannot treat men's boundaries with the same level of disrespect as they will treat yours at times. And I'm telling you, I've had some petty ass... God, I had a guy, for example, this is so petty, but at the same time, just so indicative of what this particular guy I was dating was like, was I couldn't eat or drink in his bed, but like when he would stay with me he tried to drink a whole soda in my bed and i was like uh no you can't like drink in my bed and then he basically at the time like was completely dismissive of what i was saying and i was like you would flip the fuck out if it was you if it was you it was your house and so there's little things like that where you can just tell that a man's just testing your boundaries just to test them and it's not like and again i might have thought like oh a miss you know younger me stupider me might have thought like okay a bit of a misunderstanding about boundaries here just communicate, just tell him it's not fair. And then he'll realize it's not fair. And now I see, no, it's a compliance test. Like he wants to be able to push my boundaries in a way he would never, ever accept. And I'm like, you of all people should understand why why it's not cool for you to be like trying to eat a full course meal in my bed, right? Like, <laughs> so stuff like that. What's up, queens? This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Athletic Greens. AG1 by Athletic Greens is a nutritional drink that you can drink every day for optimal health. I've been taking AG1 every morning after the gym mixed into a green smoothie. I like to mix it with some pineapple juice, a couple of ginger cubes, and a handful of spinach and some kale. One scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. AG1 is my daily microhabit that makes it easy to absorb key nutrients, lead a healthy lifestyle, and feel my best. And to make it easier for you to obtain better health, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash FDS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash FDS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. One scoop, one minute, once a day, every day. AG1 by Athletic Greens. Now back to the show. So I guess this leads pretty well to number six. Teaching a grown man the basics in terms of how to be a decent being is an exercise in futility. He already knows he just doesn't care. Yeah, this one comes from the oft advice of the just communicate. So, you know, my boyfriend never makes me come. Have you told him you want an orgasm? My boyfriend, you know, leaves skid marks in the toilet. Have you told him to clean the toilet? They know, like they know that what they're doing is shitty, no pun intended. They just don't care. Yeah, they want to wait till you bring it up and then say you're nagging them, right? Or that like make you the bad guy. It's just a very passive aggressive tactic to get out of taking care of business, whatever that business is. Yeah. And even if he doesn't know, as a partner, it's not your job to bring up your partner and teach them the basics of how to function as a decent human being. That's not your job as a partner. That was the job of his parents. But as a grown adult, he should then take it upon himself to learn how to do that if he's deficient in that area or areas. Yeah. 
And it's tough because I know everyone's level of cleanliness or cleaning habits are somewhat different. I mean, but they know you're annoyed by it is the thing. If you're not saying anything, that's different. Like if you're cool with that, if you're cool with being messy or whatever, every, you know, Rose said everybody's tolerance is different, but he knows that it bothers you. They know. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to like, well, I don't, I guess I'm separating in my mind the difference between like him treating you well and then also like him just having like bad personal grooming habits because some guys are just slovenly and it's not even a personal statement on you. That's just the way that they are, even though it's easy to take personal. So I almost want to say a grown man should know the basics of ethical treatment of others. And if he's going to live with other people, he should have enough respect for the other people he lives with, including you, to try to make that environment comfortable. Yeah. And that actually leads very nicely on to number seven as well. A man who is serious about you will do what it takes to make you happy. A man who is not serious about you will only do what he feels like doing to make you happy. What he feels like doing to make you happy. Yeah. So again, so going back to the wash example, if a guy truly wants to make you happy and he cares about you, he would sort his hygiene out. Like if you pulled up with him or whatever, he would sort it out. But a guy who isn't as serious about you, uh, basically they will only do as much as they feel like doing even if that results in you still being dissatisfied, just to say, well, I've done something. So they might, I don't know, use deodorant as opposed to actually having a shower, for example. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've had this happen with any new relationship I have. There's always like little idiosyncrasies that you find out about each other's likes and dislikes, right? Things that are very, very minor. And again, I don't think it's a huge deal to like, you know, make little concessions here and there. If it just makes that person happy, like you obviously shouldn't be changing your entire lifestyle or changing who you are to make a guy happy. But when it comes to like very minor things, if a man can't even make an effort to do that, I mean, something very simple. Like I remember just having a conversation about like about sex before I actually had sex with this guy. And we were talking about like trimming pubes. And I was like, well, I just don't want it to be like, you know, just keep it like respectful is basically what I said. (laughs) Like you don't have to be all clean shaven or whatever. But you know, like if I'm gonna go down there you know just keep it you know trimmed up and oiled up nice and like a pleasant place that someone would want to stick their face okay and so when we had sex that's what I found right now if he had made no effort and I was in the middle of like trying to have sex with this guy and I'm looking at again a weed you know an unkept lawn in front of an abandoned house situation with his dick That's disrespect. That's a person who has not done the bare minimum of something that would make you happy, right? Again, this is not the same as men being like, oh, you have to wax your vagina bald and like these like weird, absurd porn standards, but like, you know, basic grooming. Just being a tidy, that's fair. Being tidy, like even if you're riding in the car together, like, I mean, there's so many like little things like that. If you're in a relationship, certain stations that you really don't like listening to, like if he's observant about that, right? It's like you'll find something that both of you like listening to. If you like the car window open, if you like, you know, he'll just sort of be observant to some of these smaller things that make you happy, you know, if that are minor at the end of the day. And if the little things like that, I think are indicative. If you can remember those things and are putting effort into making you happy and just doing them because they make you happy, even if they're not like, even if they don't make sense to him, that's an indicative that he's going to try to make you happy versus a guy who is only doing what he feels like you should have. Right. And if a guy's at a point where he's like, well, I don't like this for you or I don't agree with this. And like, I had a guy rearrange the furniture (laughs) one time in my place, which is like, it was a little bizarre, but I don't know, still don't completely understand what that was about. But that was a situation where it was like, he felt like it should be a certain way, even though it made me unhappy, right? Because like, I'm like, this doesn't make sense for my work life flow. Like I have it set up in a certain way that works for me. Like, why are you doing this? But you know, stuff like that. So number eight, it is possible for a man to marry or have a long-term relationship with a woman he has no feelings for. Yeah, so this one is a tough pill to swallow. Because again, we've been taught, and I guess as it should be, that if a guy is with you for a long time or if he marries you, that that means that he really loves you, wants to be with you and have feelings and has feelings for you. But the truth of the matter is that's not always the case. And this is why I think that if you want to get married, that is absolutely okay. I think marriage for some people is a great thing. However, you have to be aware and cautious of the fact that the person 
or people may not be marrying for the same reasons as you. So you might marry only consider marrying somebody because you love them. A guy might consider marrying you because you're the only one that's available. Right, because women come with built-in benefits in a way that men don't. Once again, women have standards because, and higher standards because men are, if they don't meet those standards, it tend to be a liability. So a lot of men will just have women around for what? What's it called? Free pussy subscription or a mommy McBang made, right? Because it gives them a lot of actual tangible benefits to have women around. It's easier to get other women if you have a woman around, <laughs> right? Like just having a girlfriend makes it easier for you to get other girlfriends. Like There's just this, you know, this energy about when a woman chooses a man and like starts to invest in him and like makes him better, then that gives him confidence, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas like, there's just not a whole lot of uh, reciprocity on the other end and vice versa, where having a man around isn't necessarily like inherently better than being single. So I think women tend to be naive about this because you would think to yourself like, well, if he didn't like me, he wouldn't have me around like this. And it's like, well, if you didn't, then you wouldn't, right? Because like men don't have any value to you, but like just having a woman around helps that guy a lot more than not. Even if you hate him, if you're just around him, (laughs) like it's just, that's the weird thing about it. Like just having a female presence is looked at as a cosign. And he'll think once again, I think like the previous thing we said, okay, well, if you wouldn't keep taking me back if you didn't see value in me in some way. Yeah, exactly. So stay woke, queens. And just be aware of that. I think that not everybody gets into long-term relationships for the same reason. And just making sure that if you are somebody who wants to marry for love, that you see the markers of that from your partner as well. And you don't start feeling inertia or feeling taken for granted or anything like that. Women tend to stay in relationships out of shame from society about singleness or because they're being emotionally manipulated and like triangulated to the point where they're so emotionally enmeshed, they can't see that they're not benefiting. That's completely different than why men stay in relationships. I think was it a divorce lawyer on Twitter? There was a really interesting thread that she wrote and she said she's never dealt with a divorce case where the man didn't already have another woman lined up. And she was basically saying that men tend to only leave relationships when they have another woman to go to. Yeah, because having a woman around benefits them even when they hate them, period. So they generally won't give that up for singleness. They'll give that up if they can secure another woman. So... Also, I think it's why it's on you sometimes as a woman to just break up when things are going south because men won't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can't rely on a guy to break up for you. And I've seen this logic being bandied around where women have literally said, well, if you don't want to be with me, he could always leave. And it's like, yeah, he could, but he still stands like Rose said, he still stands to benefit from keeping you around in some form, even if he doesn't want to be with you. So again, women just have to sometimes take the lead on this and just cut it at the root and just cut him off. You need to cut it. All right. (laughs) Was that the Nollywood thing? Was that? No, it's a rap song. I wish I could remember the rest of the verses, but... It's because I watched it. I watched, like, someone said a similar thing in, in like, a Nollywood film. It was basically, like, a ripoff of Tupac. It was really bad. And then he had, like, a bill that was, like, you know, three million naira. And it was like, three million naira? You'll have to cut it. Cut, cut, cut. And started doing the scissors motion. That was where I thought you'd watched it from. (laughs) Yeah, it's a rap song. (laughs) International. I see now. I get it now. (laughs) Yeah. Number nine, men who are willing to go 50-50 do not care about equality because 50-50 is still not equal. Yeah, 50-50 sounds equal when you say it out because you think 50-50 both are the same numbers. But in reality, men who suggest 50-50 are ripping you off and they know this because they know that even if, say, the bills are 50-50, the woman will still be doing the majority of the housework and the cooking and looking after the children. So they don't care about equality. That is the number one sign that, to me, if a guy says we're going to split it 50-50, he doesn't care about equality. Oh, next. Dude. And this and next. He doesn't even, he, he's not even trying to make it fair for the woman. He's not trying to impress you. And he's not trying to make it even equitable or comfortable for you because the woman, it's more like, you know, 50 50 is more like 25 75 when it comes down to it. Broke, stingy men make my vagina dry up. And like any guy that starts off with that energy is just, just don't engage, right? 
thing is, it's like in the UK, I really feel bad for women here because 50-50 is like the norm. Like every 50-50, like it's literally down to the pennies. Like it's so ingrained in UK culture to split everything 50-50. Again, going back to the economic climate and how expensive it is to rent and buy. But you know, women need to recognise that. Y'all need to recognise that 50-50 is not a good deal for women. It's a good deal for men because they are still doing comparatively a lot less. And, you know, men, they work out the maths as well. They know they're ripping you off because they know if they were to get an escort, a chef, a personal assistant, a nanny, a diary scheduler, that would cost a lot more money. And so when they go 50-50, they know they're ripping you off because they get to pay 50% of the bills, but you'll be doing 100% of all that extra work for them. Yeah, exactly. Like the reason why they're so open to the 50-50 model is because it benefits them greatly. It benefits them. And they can argue because obviously it deals with numbers, but they can say, well, I pay half and that's it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas things like domestic labor even though it's very important, but the work that women primarily do in the household is a lot more difficult to quantify. That's why men can get away with doing fuck all. Yeah. I always look at it too, as if you are engaging in any type of business venture with another person, you have to factor in things like opportunity cost, which is always risk and opportunity cost, right? So risk for women is always higher. Like dealing with a man, you're much more likely to be, to suffer violence on the head and especially fatal violence on, from a man than vice versa. Men are from women. Then you have opportunity costs. Like women have a smaller fertility window. Like you just can't afford to waste nearly as much time in shitty relationships as men can, right? Not by much. Like I think men maybe have like another five or six years where they're tend to be attractive enough. Good quality sperm. Yeah, good quality sperm and tend to be like attractive enough um, to attract someone younger to have children with. But at the same time, like you have to be aware of that as a woman because it's going to cost you more to waste your time more and to go 50-50 because your risks are higher and your rewards are lower and your opportunity cost is higher than men. Like, so the 50-50 model does not make sense when you have such stark physical biological differences, right? And then just think about the fact that even in careers, like the motherhood tax, like if you were to have a child, more than likely your earning potential is going to be tanked and his isn't, right? That's just the way that it is. So when you're talking about 50-50, you're setting yourself up either up front or down the road to take a massive L for it to actually be quite frankly, mostly 75%. Like you're absorbing all of the risk and very little of the actual benefit and reward. So yeah, just just be aware of that. Next, number 10. Men with more money are not necessarily going to be more generous. So this was more tossed into the people that, or to the women that want to, I guess, buy into this idea that I want to find a rich man who will spoil me. Yes, that's always an ideal. And if you want it, go for it. But just be mindful that If you think about it, rich people do not become rich by being generous. They become rich generally by being very, very strict in how they manage their money and, let's face it, by hoarding wealth for the most part. I mean, I can't get over the fact that Nick Cannon's baby mom, or at least one of them, couldn't even ask him to help her pay for a nanny. Yeah, and I can't get over the fact that Elon Musk, you know, Grimes, he's not even like paying her music for her music career or paying, is it child? I think he's paying child support, but it's something ridiculous. But he's literally just bought Twitter for $44 billion. Yeah, the thing about this is that like, just because he's rich, if he's not actually investing in you, it's pretty much useless, right? You have to understand that like, just being around a rich man does not like automatically give you anything. (laughs) That's so true. I want to almost do like a full post about this and like show all the women who took massive L's dealing with rich men and got nothing from it but abuse. So like a man who is rich is only valuable insofar as his wealth translates to tangible assets and benefits to you or at the bare minimum connections, right? The only time I've seen a woman like come out on top is if like it's some kind of reality TV show or something where she's fucking a rich guy and like her entire brand now becomes like a real housewife or a basketball wife or something like that where now they're making money from being associated with that rich man on like Bravo or VH1 or something like that. But it's not because that man giving them shit, right? (laughs) So in fact, when you listen to a lot of these women, they're forever broke and struggling outside of their check that they get from the reality show because they'll be like, oh, my ex-husband or my boyfriend cut me off. He's not paying child support. You won't pay for a nanny. And they're always like begging for crumbs from these guys that like they're associated with. And it's like, so you did all this work to be associated with this man. And he's like nickel and diming you won't pay child support. 
I mean, you look at Tristan Thompson, like how he's treated the women that he's gotten pregnant, um, even Chloe, but even the women outside of Chloe, like they're not getting anything from being associated with him. Yeah. It's better to be with a guy who earns 50,000 pounds or dollars a year, but is generous and will do his best to provide for you than it is to marry or to get with a broke, stingy millionaire. If you're going to marry him, like you, then that's a little bit different. But yeah, if you're just with a guy and he's like not, but it tends to be that if he's going to include you on his assets, then he will start doing that earlier on in the relationship, right? There's not like he doesn't suddenly go from like a broke, stingy scrow to a completely generous guy after you get married. And generosity ultimately is a mindset. It's not really related to how much money somebody has. I mean, capacity to be generous increases when there's wealth, but capacity doesn't translate into action. And even with marriage, these rich men, they get strict prenups. I mean, prenups aren't as popular in the UK because the general thing is 50-50 here. But some of them, like the guy who founded Snapchat and Miranda Kerr, they end up signing a crippling prenup, basically leaving them with nothing if anything goes wrong. So, I mean, generosity and being rich, they're not, basically don't conflate the two. They're separate things. And I think men like to believe that, oh, you know, the broke men who have done enough money at the moment, like Rose said, if I become rich one day, I'll provide for my shoddy. Yeah, she won't have, you know, she'll have everything. And it's not true because giving is a mindset. Yeah. I mean, I'm allergic to the spirit of broke and stingy. <laughs> exercise it from my life like just literally just makes me break out in hives like i can't deal if he's like that broke he's gonna be like that when he's rich like these guys are not a miser is a miser (laughs) yeah it's a mindset doesn't mean he's stupid with his money but it means that he knows how to spend it to create experiences and with people he values right all right so number 11 a man is on his best behavior in the early stages of the relationship So this one was sort of inspired by my conversations with, again, people who've been married for a long time. So like my parents, my sister now, she's been married for almost a decade and her friends were married. And what they said was really interesting. And they often said, so my parents, for example, they've just celebrated their 40th anniversary. And when I was asking my dad, what is something he wasn't told about marriage? And he basically said that the way, you know, your mom or, you know, my mom was in the beginning is almost exactly the way she is now. And so obviously she's changed over the years, but the fundamentals are still there. And this is after being together for 40 years. So when women, you know, get with a guy, you know, they see a guy and he's not behaving the way they expect at the beginning, but they think that sticking around is going to somehow change that. It's like, No. And also, if you think about it as well, when I, you know, when my friends, you know, when they come to me and say, look, you know, he's got this really annoying habit in the beginning, like, how can I get him to change? I always say, if you think about a habit that you have, so for example, I can't sit still, like now I'm like rocking in my chair, I just can't sit still, right? If somebody said to me, you need to stop doing that, that would be really difficult for me because I'm used to doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not easy to get people, especially bad habits that have been ingrained and reinforced over time. It's not easy to get somebody to break the habit. So basically, it's a very long-winded, long-winded way of saying that the person that you see at the beginning of the relationship is likely the best you're going to get out of him. Act accordingly. And I always ask myself, if nothing changed about this guy or this relationship, would I still be happy? If the answer is no, I then know that it's time to leave. Because, you know, you can't really spend your life betting on potential, hoping that somebody is going to have a personality transplant before you're happy in the relationship. Again, that doesn't work out. Yeah, I think it's also, I mean, keeping this in mind, it will also help you weed out red flags. Because remember, this is him trying not to trigger you or display red flags at the beginning of a relationship. So that's why we say a lot of the times things that you think are negligible at the beginning of a relationship are actually deal breakers, you know, because there's only one option for them to get worse go over time. At least I've never heard of it or even seen it. I don't think where someone displayed something that was like a red flagish, and then, you know, it wasn't like some kind of compliance test that didn't actively get worse later on in the relationship when a guy feels like, you know, he can let go. And again, it's counterproductive, like the antidote and the cure for shitty men. You know, one of like the ways we can root them out in society is to not reward them with our continued presence and love and affection when they fuck up. But so I don't understand the logic how if, you know, when women say, oh, he's really deficient in this area. But if I stick around and continue to give him, you know, love, sex, attention or whatever, then he's going to want to change. When actually that's just reinforcing the behavior. Cause as we said in one of the previous truths is that 
he's going to think, well, if, if I'm that bad, then why are you still here? And a guy's actually asked me that question before. And again, I felt like Booby the Fool because as scroty as he was, he had a point. <laughs> they tell on themselves it's the worst. And man, I can think of like a particularly humiliating situation where a man tells you about himself explicitly, right? Because you're engaging in good faith. And then a man gets so frustrated with you actually giving him the benefit of the doubt that he actually tells you he's not shit. Like that makes you feel mad stupid, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that happened to me. I don't know if it's like guilt or it's just like they just at some point just are just like... You just, you just literally like just start. I'm just like, I'm just going to go and apply for the circus because even this guy thinks I'm stupid for putting up with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like when you bring up a thing a man does and his first response is like, oh, stop being a victim. You knew I was going to be like this or something like that where they turn it around. Or why don't you just leave then? Right. That tends to be indicative that they know and you're engaging in good faith in ways that you shouldn't. Okay, so number 12, the final point in this episode, a man's friends and who he chooses to hang around with says a lot about him and his values. So in terms of this one, I wanted to to draw attention to a common refrain that, you know, let's say a guy is a decent person, so to speak, but he hangs around with people who are known to be misogynists, rapists, abusers, or whatever, basically very unsavory characters. That to me is an indictment on his character, because if he really had a problem with that behavior, then he would cut those people off. Yeah. I mean, this is part of growing up. You outgrow some friend groups and your friend group is either going to drag you down or support you, right? And so, I mean, to me, watching Love is Blind and then watching like Shake's friends and then like how douchey they all were and reinforcing his terrible attitude. That's just the kind of thing you'll see with men who are low value. They tend to kind of all hang out with each other, have similarly disgusting viewpoints. Otherwise, why would they hang out? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I think that was a really, really good quote that was I think it was initially about Nazis but they adapted it to abusive men and it's like if you have say you know 10 abusive men around a table and then you know one non-abusive man who doesn't say anything you've actually got 11 abusive men around the room it's not just about you know necessarily perpetuating bad behavior but it's also not saying anything and you know, when bad behavior is being committed. And, you know, in a similar vein to how I've said that a huge part of the resistance against abusive, you know, men in interpersonal relationships is to not reward them with our time and attention. Similarly, that applies for friendships as well. Like social isolation is part of the solution. Because if you are around somebody who is doing something shitty and you're still continuing to be their friend, reward them, you are almost co-signing what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, this is patriarchy in action. It's where men either actively support or maintain their silence when other men behave badly, right? And it's a way to keep you under control. It's strategic. It's strategically because they'll speak up when awards them brownie points or makes people believe they're a feminist so they have access to more women. So yeah, strategic silence, yeah. I mean, and it's scary because if you've ever been, again, red flags actually for abuse, if you've ever been in a relationship with a man who has friends like that, they will be the first ones to gaslight you about his behavior and or cover for him if he's abusive in any type of way. So I actually find this to be a bigger red flag. And the quality of a man's friends to me is such a huge, 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 huge red flag. Unless he's got like a charity case friend that he kind of knows is a charity case. There's a really uh, funny uh, Twitter trend and Twitter thread about like uh, finding out your man's not the leader of the group, right? So if you ever dated a guy and then you find out he has a friend who is the leader of the group, but he's like a massive douchebag, extreme red flag if he has a friend that's kind of a douchebag but nobody in the group respects him but just kind of you know keeps him around so he doesn't off himself then you kind of look at it like okay well he's doing charity work he is like kind of a shitty friend (laughs) it's a charity case keep yourself alive (laughs) yeah but like if he's the type of guy that has like oh sorry i'm just like i'm having like my skin's crawling thinking about these type of guys you'll see this a lot in um like insular male groups too like fraternities let me think of another situation like sometimes sports clubs or whatever where they have like interpersonal group dynamics and then one of the guys is like wants to belong so bad that he'll basically he's just perpetuating every single like patriarchal stereotype you know he'll be the loudest like denigrating women like those type of guys they want too bad to be accepted by these men and they don't know how to like stand against the crowd and or also 
definitely won't protect you against, you know, any crowd of men. Like, it's just one of those things, like, they're trying to build solidarity with other men at your expense, and you will lose in that situation. So if you see a guy, and first of all, he's like, he's a wannabe in that group, just don't even, like, he's a pussy scavenger. Like, I had, oh, God, pussy scavenger. Pussy scavenger energy. Also allergic to that. (laughs) We need to deconstruct the pussy scavenger in greater detail, because you've been dropping hints about pussy scavenger all year. But we need to get the DL on these pussy scavengers because I'm curious. Well, pussy scavengers are never the leader of their group. Like pussy scavengers are the guys that are hangers on trying to get like, yeah, they're trying to scavenge pussy that falls from the crumbs of the mouths of the more like accomplished, successful, attractive, pro-social men. Of the pack. (laughs) Yeah. They tend to be the weird, creepy friend of the group. So yeah, you don't want a guy with pussy scavenger energy. So when you're watching his friends... And you don't want a guy who's going to like reflexively defend, uh, defend his friends over you because that's never, that doesn't bode well for the future of your relationship and his a willingness to commit to you and build a relationship with you. Because like at the end of the day, like his friends aren't going to cup his balls and push out his kids. So fuck his friends. You know what I mean? Like this is the thing about male friendships. Like some of them are so useless that you wonder like why they're so committed to <laughs> the solidarity other than like the misogyny aspect of it and the control of women aspect of it. And similarly speaking as well, another point, if a guy's friend pulls you to one side and says, this guy ain't shit, I would take that message seriously, basically. (laughs) Because he broke code and, you know, yeah, like there's a reason that they're breaking rank, so to speak, to warn you about him. So I would take that message very, very seriously. New episode idea, what you can tell about a man from his friend group. Put that on the docket. Yeah, the pussy scavengers, the yeah, we um, talk about <laughs> the, the, the covert abusers. <laughs> There's certain times when we bring up certain aspects of men and my skin just crawls. Like pussy scavengers are one of them. Ugh, like they're whole energy. I'll have to think of some celebrity examples because like you'll know what I'm talking about when I point it out. It's just the opposite of big dick energy. So, <laughs> all right. So that's the show. Let us know what you think on our forum at thefemaledatingstrategy.com forward slash forum. Also check it out Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy for weekly bonus content. Submit your roast to scrote queen shit or nasis. We have a Thanksgiving roast coming up soon. So please submit your stories for that. Also follow us on Twitter at femdatstrat and on Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you scrotes out there, I'm allergic to you. Ew, you. <laughs> See you next week, ladies. <laughs> See y'all next week. Yeah.